check out my new book, Coping Courageously, a heart-centered guide for navigating a loved one's illness without losing yourself. It's appropriate for you as a clinician, for your patients, and for anyone you know who has a seriously ill loved one or an aging parent. Check it out and tell a friend. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast, where we talk about integrative symptom management and physician well-being, because every physician deserves to have satisfying work, and every patient deserves an effective and joyful physician. Let's get started. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast. I'm Dr. Delia Caramonti, and today we are going to talk about how you guide other people if they have gone through some sort of tragedy or trauma. It's on my mind because at the time that I'm recording this, there was just another shooting at a college and there are some college students who died. And it's it's just tragic. And it got me thinking about what do you do if somebody comes in and says, you know, some bad thing happened, I was in the next room and I'm really stressed out about it. What do you say? How do you counsel them? I have for us eight things that I think we should tell people to do when they have gone through some sort of a really difficult time. This really works too if someone is struggling with their loved one being very ill, or even their loved one is ill and the family is sort of falling apart, or there's conflict or conflict with with siblings. So anything where somebody is really struggling and feels kind of lost and isn't sure what to do, how do they get themselves back together? So here's eight steps that I think we should suggest. The first one is self-awareness. So the very first thing to do is check in with yourself about what's happening for you, what thoughts are coming to mind, what emotions are you feeling, what physical sensations are happening for you. So for example, in terms of your thoughts, are you catastrophizing as in saying, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to go back to school, or my sister and I will never be close again? Or instead, are you thinking more like, this is really hard, but I think I'm going to make a plan, or I think it's going to be okay, or I need to go get help. So taking a look, just what's happening in your thoughts. This is part of self-awareness. With emotions, is it just the emotion about what's happening right now, or is it bringing up past experiences? Because that absolutely happens. If somebody is experiencing a traumatic thing right now, but they have other history of trauma, that trauma can pop back up again and make the current experience even worse than it might otherwise be. So is that happening? Or is it just, no, I'm just really sad or or angry or distraught about what's happening right now? And then in terms of physical sensations, sometimes we don't notice, but it's important to notice where are we feeling the feelings? Where are we feeling the stress? Is it in our head? Is our chest tight? Is our jaw tight? Is our gut messed up? This is important because it can help us identify when our stress and feelings are getting out of control. And also, sometimes you might think, oh, my stomach, I must have a stomach virus, I should go to the doctor, when really maybe that is a manifestation of feeling stressed out or overwhelmed or sad or anxious. So that's number one, self-awareness. Number two is, I think it's important that we give people permission to feel the feels. If you're going through something that's tough, don't stuff those feelings. There's no magical way to not be sad or upset about something that is sad and upsetting. So sometimes it's important just to normalize 
and validate for people that there will be big feelings and it's important that you allow those feelings to come out. You can strategize with somebody about how to do that, as in if they're at work, that they may not have the space to do that right now, but if they stuff their feelings to get through the day at work, how do they unstuff them when they get home? What are they going to do when they get home? Can they spend some time laying in their bed and hitting a pillow and crying, or can they draw really aggressively in red crayons? Can they go for a run and run really fast to try to discharge some of the intense feelings that they're feeling? What are they going to do to express that? Because everybody does it differently, but it's really important to express it. Some people might express their feelings through writing in a journal. Some people feel safer if there's a container around their feelings. And one thing that you can suggest to people is to set a timer. So if they feel like I'm going to fall apart, but I'm afraid if I let myself fall apart, I'll never get it back together again. They can set a timer for 15 minutes. And just in those 15 minutes, they can sob, ugly cry, snotty nose, scream, hit the pillow, just get all of the ugly, tough, scary, uncomfortable emotions out. But then when the timer goes off, it's time to come back into the room. When the timer goes off, they can rub their hands together, they can rub their face, they can put water on their face, they can take a few deep breaths, but then it's their time to get back together and go do an activity that is generative for them. Call someone, go for a walk, play with the dog, do some art, cook dinner, etc. So that's two. Feel the feels. Number one is self-awareness. Allow some self-awareness. Number two is feel the feels. Number three is choose just one mind-body tool that works for them. Just one. So something to turn down the sympathetic nervous system overdrive that we get into when something really uncomfortable or bad or scary or sad happens. So just one tool. It could be just breathing. So it could be just that they're going to take five breaths slowly and do their best to have the out breath a little bit longer than the in breath. That stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system, stimulates the relaxation response when the out breath is a little longer than the in breath. So it could be just that, that anytime they start to feel agitated, they're going to take their five breaths or they're going to do it before every meal or they're going to do it first thing in the morning And when they get in bed at night or every time they go to the bathroom, when you're counseling somebody for behavior change like this, it's really important to have them say exactly what they're going to do. Not, yeah, I'll try to do some breathing, but more like every time I go to the bathroom, I'm going to take three breaths. It doesn't really matter what they pick, just so they pick something and they say it out loud to you. So encourage them to pick a thing and say it out loud. They might also choose to do a meditation or guided imagery either on their own or guided with an app or something on YouTube. They could do just two minutes. It doesn't have to be half an hour. Even just a couple minutes after dinner or when they get ready for bed or first thing in the morning, they might do a couple yoga poses. They can find those also on the internet easily or there are apps. They could take a Tai Chi class or a Qigong class. But ask them to choose one mind-body tool, so one tool to try to turn down the sympathetic nervous system overdrive. And if they have no idea and they don't want to do an app, you can just teach them breathing where the out breath is a little bit longer than the in breath. Just that works. Okay, so self-awareness, 
They're checking in with themselves. That's one. Number two, they're going to allow themselves to feel the feels. Number three, they're going to choose one mind-body tool and try to do a little bit of it every day, ideally, or at least a couple times a week. Number four, they're going to seek some kind of connection. It could be with people in person. It could be with people by phone or Zoom or text. It could be with pets who are wonderful connectors. It could be nature if that feels like a connection to to a person. It could be a spiritual leader or God if that feels connected to the person. And it doesn't have to mean that they're talking about the thing that happened or the thing that is upsetting. Just having connection with other beings that feel supportive counts. So they're going to seek connection of some sort, which does not mean they have to talk about what they're upset about, but they're going to seek connection, people, pets, God, nature, etc. Number five, they're going to pursue self-compassion. And so what that means is they're going to try to intentionally be kind to themselves, to imagine even that they're speaking to a friend and to turn that around and speak that way to themselves. So rather than what is wrong with you? Why can't you get it together? Would you say that to a good friend? Probably not. If you saw a good friend who had gone through a difficult time and was a little bit falling apart or being upset, you would probably say, wow, this seems like a really difficult time. I'm sorry that it's so hard. What can I do to make things easier for you? You probably would not say to your good friend, oh my God, what's the matter with you? Get yourself together. But we do tend to talk to ourselves that way. So intentional self-compassion, where we pretend we were talking to a friend and then turn it around and speak that way, either out loud or in our head to ourselves, that's self-compassion. And part of self-compassion is maybe decreasing some extra responsibilities if there's volunteer work or or a personal commitment to make organic food four times a week, you know, maybe let some of that go if it's a difficult time. Decreasing expectations of ourselves is a part of self-compassion. Number six is acknowledge for people that whatever way they're grieving is the right way. So as long as they are safe and they're not hurting themselves or others, then the way they're grieving is just fine. Everybody's different. Some people grieve out loud, meaning they talk about the experience a lot, or they cry, or they express their emotions so others can see it. Other people grieve inside, so they look to some people maybe like they're not affected, but they can be very deeply affected. Any way you grieve is fine. And also the up and down, up and down, up and down is totally normal for grieving. And you might want to validate that for people. You can be happy one day and devastated the next, and then in the middle the next, and then happy and then devastated. All of that is normal, 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 normal. And the overall advice is just be in the moment that you are. If you're feeling happy, fantastic. If you're feeling sad, feel your feelings and reach out for support. So in none of those should we be judging ourselves that it's somehow bad or wrong. And people should know that there's this up and down because otherwise they can feel like, oh my gosh, I was so I was fine yesterday and why am I basket case today? Or sometimes they they beat up on themselves in the opposite direction and say, how could I possibly be happy when that bad thing just happened? So just validating for them, it's all normal. It's going to be up and down. It's going to be different for everybody. Your way of grieving may be different than other people that you know, and it's everybody is normal and it's fine for people to grieve in their own way. Number seven is to seek the level of support that you need. So encourage the person to seek the level of support that they need. For some people, that's just all of the things that we talked about. 
and rest maybe and taking a few days off work or writing in their journal or expressing themselves through art. But for some people, it's helpful to see a therapist and get counseling. For some people, they might want medication to help them feel better. So whatever the level of support that they need, encourage them to pursue that. And then number eight is to make meaning from the difficult experience in some way. So that could be donating to a cause. That could be connecting with loved ones in a way that you haven't before, as in, gosh, I need to tell all the people that are in my life how much I love them and care about them. That counts as making meaning. Writing a letter to politicians or to other people who need support, or maybe making a plan to improve a particular problem in the world, volunteering, changing your career path. There's a bunch of ways, but they can be as small as making a small donation or even teaching your children about safety or teaching your children about racial equity or reading a book. Maybe I feel like I want to learn more about staying safe or more about equity. So some kind of meaning, making some kind of meaning is really important because when when we get to the place of everything is just terrible and uncontrollable and awful, that's a tough place to be. And it's much better if we can get there to be from a place of, wow, this was really hard. This is really sad or or terrible here's what I'm going to do to take care of myself. And then here's some way that I'm going to pull some kind of meaning out of this really difficult experience. That's what we're shooting for. Okay, so here's the eight things, the eight suggestions. One, you're going to start with self-awareness. Just notice your thoughts, your emotions, your physical sensations. Just notice. Number two is acknowledging that it's important to feel the feels. Don't stuff it. Allow the feelings to come. Put some container around it if you need to, but allow the feelings to come. Number three is choosing one mind-body tool that will help decrease the sympathetic nervous system response and try to do even a minute or two every day, more or less. Number four is to seek connections with people, with pets, with nature, whatever feels connecting. Not even to talk about it, but just to connect, just to be with another being. Number five is intentional self-compassion, treating ourselves the way we would treat somebody else. Number six is acknowledging for people that however they're grieving is the right way. It's going to go up and down. It's going to be different for them than their sister or brother, and all of the ways people grieve are fine. Number seven is to seek the level of support that they need, journaling, rest, friends, exercise, nature, but maybe therapy, maybe medicines. And number eight is to find some way, even if it's a teeny tiny way, to make some kind of meaning out of the experience. All right, you got it? Self-awareness, feel the feels, choose one mind-body tool and practice it, seek connections, self-compassion, grieving in whatever way feels right to that person, seeking support at the right level and making some kind of meaning. So of course, I would love for you to recommend this to your patients, but I also want you to think about this concept for yourself. And it's not just for huge tragedies that happen, but for difficult situations that happen in our life. This concept is really important of checking in with ourselves, feeling what we feel, finding a tool that helps decrease our sympathetic overdrive, seeking connections with other people, being kind to ourselves acknowledging that how we grieve or feel is totally fine, getting support when we need it, and trying to make meaning. 
This is the formula really for dealing with difficult things. Okay, so your homework this week is to either try this for yourself, if there's something that you're struggling with, something that you've gone through, to try this for yourself, or to see if you can identify a patient or a family member even who is going through a thing and see if you can counsel them using this framework. All right. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you're here. This one, particularly, if you know somebody who's going through a hard time, you might consider forwarding this to them if you think that it might be helpful. Thank you so much. And I will see you next Thursday. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by the Integrative Palliative Institute, dedicated to whole person care for people with serious illness using all the tools that work. If you've always thought that there was a better way to practice medicine, you're right, and you've found your people. So help spread the word. Send this episode to a friend or colleague, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and reach out anytime and come learn with me. You can find more information and training programs at integrativepalliative.com.